Chapter Eleventh of The Heart of Midlothian by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Then she stretched out her lily hand, and for to do her best, have back thy faith and troth, Willie. God give thy soul good rest. Old Ballad come in answered the low and sweet-toned voice he loved best to hear as butler tapped at the door of the cottage he lifted the latch and found himself under the roof of affliction jeanie was unable to trust herself with more than one glance towards her lover whom she now met under circumstances so agonizing to her feelings and at the same time so humbling to her honest pride it is well known that much both of what is good and bad in the scottish national character arises out of the intimacy of their family connections to become of honest folk that is of people who have borne a fair and unstained reputation is an advantage as highly prized among the lower scotch as the emphatic counterpart to be of a good family is valued among their gentry the worth and respectability of one member of a peasant's family is always accounted by themselves and others not only a matter of honest pride but a guarantee for the good conduct of the whole on the contrary such a melancholy stain as now was flung on one of the children of deans extended its disgrace to all connected with him and jeanie felt herself lowered at once in her own eyes and in those of her lover it was in vain that she repressed this feeling as far subordinate and too selfish to be mingled with her sorrow for her sister's calamity nature prevailed and while she shed tears for her sister's distress and danger there mingled with them bitter drops of grief for her own degradation as butler entered the old man was seated by the fire with his well-worn pocket-bible in his hands the companion of the wanderings and dangers of his youth and bequeathed to him on the scaffold by one of those who in the year sixteen eighty six sealed their enthusiastic principles with their blood the sun sent its rays through a small window at the old man's back and shining moddy through the reek to use the expression of a bard of that time and country illumined the gray hairs of the old man and the sacred page which he studied his features far from handsome and rather harsh and severe had yet from their expression of habitual gravity and contempt for earthly things an expression of stoical dignity amidst their sternness he boasted in no small degree the attributes which southey ascribes to the ancient scandinavians whom he terms firm to inflict and stubborn to endure the whole formed a picture 
of which the lights might have been given by rembrandt but the outline would have required the force and vigour of michael angelo deans lifted his eye as butler entered and instantly withdrew it as from an object which gave him at once surprise and sudden pain he had assumed such high ground with this carnal-witted scholar as he had in his pride termed butler that to meet him of all men under feelings of humiliation aggravated his misfortune and was a consummation like that of the dying chief in the old ballad earl percy sees my fall deans raised the bible with his left hand so as partly to screen his face and putting back his right as far as he could held it towards butler in that position at the same time turning his body from him as if to prevent his seeing the working of his countenance butler clasped the extended hand which had supported his orphan infancy wept over it and in vain endeavoured to say more than the words god comfort you god comfort you he will he doth my friend said deans assuming firmness as he discovered the agitation of his guest he doth now and he will yet more in his own good time i have been over-proud of my sufferings in a good cause reuben and now i am to be tried with those whilk will turn my pride and glory into a reproach and a hissing how muckle better i have thought myself than them that lay soft fed sweet and drank deep when i was in the moss-hags and moors with precious donald cameron and worthy mr blackadder called guess again and how proud i was of being made a spectacle to men and angels having stood on their pillory at the cannon-gate afore i was fifteen years old for the cause of a national covenant to think reuben that i what have been so honoured and exalted in my youth nay when i was but a halfland's callant and that have borne testimony again the defections of the times yearly monthly daily hourly minutely striving and testifying with uplifted hand and voice crying aloud and sparing not against all great national snares as the nation-wasting and church-sinking abomination of union toleration and patronage imposed by the last woman of that unhappy race of stuarts also against the infringements and invasions of the just powers of eldership whereanent i uttered my paper called a cry of an howl in the desert printed at the bowhead and sold by all flying stationers in town and country and now here he paused it may well be supposed that butler though not absolutely coinciding in all the good old man's ideas about church government had too much consideration and humanity to interrupt him while he reckoned up with conscious pride his sufferings and the constancy of his testimony 
on the contrary when he paused under the influence of the bitter recollections of the moment butler instantly threw in his might of encouragement you have been well known my old and revered friend a true and tried follower of the cross one who as st jerome hath it per infamium et bonum famum grassari ad immortalitatum which may be freely rendered who rushes on to immortal life through bad report and good report you have been one of those to whom the tender and fearful souls cry during the midnight solitude watchman what of the night watchman what of the night and assuredly this heavy dispensation as it comes not without divine permission so it comes not without its special commission and use i do receive it as such said poor deans returning the grasp of butler's hand and if i have not been taught to read the scripture in any other tongue but my native scottish even in his distress butler's latin quotation had not escaped his notice i have nevertheless so learned them that i trust to bear even this crook in my lot with submission but oh reuben butler the kirk of whilk though unworthy i have yet been thought a polished shaft and meet to be a pillar holding from my youth upward the place of ruling elder what will the lightsome and profane think of the guide that cannot keep his own family from stumbling how will they take up their song and their reproach when they see that the children of professors are liable to as foul backsliding as the offspring of belial but i will bear my cross with the comfort that whatever showed like goodness in me or mine was but like the light that shines from creeping insects on the brayside in a dark night it kiths bright to the eye because all is dark around it but when the morn comes on the mountains it is but a poor crawling kale-worm after all and so it shows with any rag of human righteousness or formal law-work that we may pit round us to cover our shame as he pronounced these words the door again opened and mr bartolin saddletree entered his three-pointed hat set far back on his head with a silk handkerchief beneath it to keep it in that cool position his gold-headed cane in his hand and his whole deportment that of a wealthy burgher who might one day look to have a share in the magistracy, if not actually to hold the curule chair itself rochefoucault who has torn the veil from so many foul gangrenes of the human heart says we find something not altogether unpleasant to us in the misfortunes of our best friends mr saddletree would have been very angry had any one told him that he felt pleasure in the disaster of poor effie deans and the disgrace of her family and yet there is great question whether the gratification of playing the person of importance inquiring investigating 
and laying down the law on the whole affair did not offer to say the least full consolation for the pain which pure sympathy gave him on account of his wife's kinswoman he had now got a piece of real judicial business by the end instead of being obliged as was his common case to intrude his opinion where it was neither wished nor wanted and felt as happy in the exchange as a boy when he gets his first new watch which actually goes when wound up and has real hands and a true dial-plate but besides this subject for legal disquisition bartolin's brains were also overloaded with the affair of porteus his violent death and all its probable consequences to the city and community it was what the french call l'embarras des richesses the confusion arising from too much mental wealth he walked in with a consciousness of double importance full fraught with the superiority of one who possesses more information than the company into which he enters and who feels a right to discharge his learning on them without mercy good morning mr deans good morrow to you mr butler i was not aware that you were acquainted with mr deans butler made some slight answer his reasons may be readily imagined for not making his connection with the family which in his eyes had something of tender mystery a frequent subject of conversation with indifferent persons such as saddletree the worthy burgher in the plenitude of self-importance now sat down upon a chair wiped his brow collected his breath and made the first experiment of the resolved pith of his lungs in a deep and dignified sigh resembling a groan in sound and intonation awful times these neighbor deans awful times sinful shameful heaven daring times answered deans in a lower and more subdued tone for my part continued saddletree swelling with importance what between the distress of my friends and my poor old country any wit that ever i had may be said to have abandoned me so that i sometimes think myself as ignorant as if i were interrusticos here when i arise in the morning with my mind just arranged touching what's to be done in poor effie's misfortune and have gotten the whole statute at my finger-ends the mob mon get up and strike jock porteus to a diaster's beam and ding all thing out of my head again deeply as he was distressed with his own domestic calamity deans could not help expressing some interest in the news saddletree immediately entered on details of the insurrection and its consequences while butler took the occasion to seek some private conversation with jeanie deans she gave him the opportunity he sought by leaving the room as if in prosecution of some part of her morning labor butler followed her in a few minutes leaving deans so closely engaged 
by his busy visitor that there was little chance of his observing their absence the scene of their interview was an outer apartment where jeanie was used to busy herself in arranging the productions of her dairy when butler found an opportunity of stealing after her into this place he found her silent dejected and ready to burst into tears instead of the active industry with which she had been accustomed even while in the act of speaking to employ her hands in some useful branch of household business she was seated listless in a corner sinking apparently under the weight of her own thoughts yet the instant he entered she dried her eyes and with the simplicity and openness of her character immediately entered on conversation i am glad you have come in mr butler said she for 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 i wished to tell ye that all mon be ended between you and me it's best for both our sakes ended said butler in surprise and for what should it be ended i grant this is a heavy dispensation but it lies neither at your door nor mine it's an evil of god's sending and it must be borne but it cannot break plighted troth genie while they that plighted their word wish to keep it but reuben said the young woman looking at him affectionately i can will that ye think more of me than yourself and reuben i can only in requital think more of your well than of my own ye are a man of spotless name bred to god's ministry and all men say that ye will some day rise high in the kirk though poverty keep ye down even now poverty is a bad back friend reuben and that ye can over well but ill-fame is a war one and that is a truth ye shall never learn through my means what do you mean said butler eagerly and impatiently or how do you connect your sister's guilt if guilt there be which i trust in god may yet be disproved with our engagement how can that affect you or me how can you ask me that mr butler will this stain do you think ever be forgotten as long as our heads are above the ground will it not stick to us and to our bairns and to their very bairns bairns to have been the child of an honest man might have been saying something for me and mine but to be the sister of a oh my god with this exclamation her resolution failed and she burst into a passionate fit of tears the lover used every effort to induce her to compose herself and at length succeeded but she only resumed her composure to express herself with the same positiveness as before no reuben i'll bring disgrace home to no man's hearth my own distresses i can bear and i maun bear but there is no occasion for buckling them on other folks shouthers i shall bear my load alone the back is made for the burden 
a lover is by charter wayward and suspicious and genie's readiness to renounce their engagement under pretence of zeal for his peace of mind and respectability of character seemed to poor butler to form a portentous combination with the commission of the stranger he had met with that morning his voice faltered as he asked whether nothing but a sense of her sister's present distress occasioned her to talk in that manner and what else can do so she replied with simplicity is it not ten long years since we spoke together in this way ten years said butler it's a long time sufficient perhaps for a woman to weary to weary of her old gown said jeanie and to wish for a new one if she likes to be brave but not long enough to weary of a friend the eye may wish change but the heart never never said reuben that's a bold promise but no more bold than true said jeanie with the same quiet simplicity which attended her manner in joy and grief in ordinary affairs and in those which most interested her feelings butler paused and looking at her fixedly i am charged he said with a message to you jeanie indeed from whom or what can any one have to say to me it is from a stranger said butler affecting to speak with an indifference which his voice belied a young man whom i met this morning in the park mercy said jeanie eagerly and what did he say that he did not see you at the hour he expected but required you should meet him alone at mushat's cairn this night so soon as the moon rises tell him said jeanie hastily i shall certainly come may i ask said butler his suspicions increasing at the ready alacrity of the answer who this man is to whom you are so willing to give the meeting at a place and hour so uncommon folk mon do muckle they have little will to do in this world replied jeanie granted said her lover but what compels you to this who is this person what i saw of him was not very favourable who or what is he i do not know replied jeanie composedly you do not know said butler stepping impatiently through the apartment you purpose to meet a young man whom you do not know at such a time and in a place so lonely you say you are compelled to do this and yet you say you do not know the person who exercises such an influence over you jeanie what am i to think of this think only reuben that i speak truth as if i were to answer at the last day i do not ken this man i do not even ken that i ever saw him and yet i must give him the meeting he asks there's life and death upon it will you not tell your father or take him with you said butler i cannot said jeanie i have no permission will you let me go with you i will wait in the park till nightfall and join you when you set out 
it is impossible said jeanie there mauna be mortal creature within hearing of our conference have you considered well the nature of what you are going to do the time the place an unknown and suspicious character why if he had asked to see you in this house your father sitting in the next room and within call at such an hour you should have refused to see him my weird mon be fulfilled mr butler my life and my safety are in god's hands but i'll not spare to risk either of them on the errand i am going to do then jeanie said butler much displeased we must indeed break short off and bid farewell where there can be no confidence betwixt a man and his plighted wife on such a momentous topic it is a sign that she has no longer the regard for him that makes their engagement safe and suitable jeanie looked at him and sighed i thought she said that i had brought myself to bear this parting but but i did not ken that we were to part in unkindness but i am a woman and you are a man it may be different with you if your mind is made easier by thinking so hardly of me i would not ask you to think otherwise you are said butler what you have always been wiser better and less selfish in your native feelings than i can be with all the helps philosophy can give to a christian but why why will you persevere in an undertaking so desperate why will you not let me be your assistant your protector or at least your adviser just because i cannot and i dare not answered jeanie but hark what's that surely my father is no well in fact the voices in the next room became obstreperously loud of a sudden the cause of which vociferation it is necessary to explain before we go farther when jeanie and butler retired mr saddletree entered upon the business which chiefly interested the family in the commencement of their conversation he found old deans who in his usual state of mind was no granter of propositions so much subdued by a deep sense of his daughter's danger and disgrace that he heard without replying to or perhaps without understanding one or two learned disquisitions on the nature of the crime imputed to her charge and on the steps which ought to be taken in consequence his only answer at each pause was i am no misdoubting that you wis us will your wife's our far-away cousin encouraged by these symptoms of acquiescence saddletree who as an amateur of the law had a supreme deference for all constituted authorities again recurred to his other topic of interest the murder namely of porteus and pronounced a severe censure on the parties concerned these are kittle times kittle times mr deans when the people take the power of life and death out of the hands of the rightful magistrate into their own rough grip i am of opinion 
and so i believe will mr crossmyloof and the privy council that this rising in affair of war to take away the life of a reprieved man will prove little better than perduellian if i hadna that on my mind whilk is ill to bear mr saddletree said deans i would make bold to dispute that point with you how could you dispute what's plain law man said saddletree somewhat contemptuously there's no accalent that ever carried a pock with a process in it but will tell you that perduellian is the worst and most virulent kind of treason being an open convocating of the king's lieges against his authority more especially in arms and by took of drum to bathe whilk accessories my eye and lugs bore witness and muckle worse than lease majesty or the concealment of a treasonable purpose it winna bear a dispute neighbour but it will though retorted douse davy deans i tell ye it will bear a disputer never like your cold legal formal doctrines neighbour saddletree i had unco little by the parliament house since the awful downfall of the hopes of honest folk that followed the revolution but what would ye have had mr deans said saddletree impatiently didna ye get both liberty and conscience made fast and settled vitalsy on you and your heirs for ever mr saddletree retorted deans i ken ye are one of those that are wise after the manner of this world and that ye hand your part and cast in your portion with the lang heads and lang gowns and keep with the smart witty pated lawyers of this our land weary on the dark and doleful cast that they have given this unhappy kingdom when their black hands of defection were clasped in the red hands of our sworn murderers when those who had numbered the towers of our zion and marked the bulwarks of reformation saw their hope turn into a snare and their rejoicing into weeping i cannot understand this neighbour answered saddletree i am an honest presbyterian of the kirk of scotland and stand by her and the general assembly and the due administration of justice by the fifteen lords of session and the five lords of justiciary out upon ye mr saddletree exclaimed david who in an opportunity of giving his testimony on the offences and backslidings of the land forgot for a moment his own domestic calamity out upon your general assembly and the back of my hand to your court of session what is the tain but a woeful bunch of caldriff professors and ministers that sat bein and warm when the persecuted remnant were wrestling with hunger and cold and fear of death and danger of fire and sword upon wet braesides peat hags and flow-mosses and that now creep out of their holes like bluebottle fleas in a blink of sunshine to take the pulpits and places of better folk of them that witnessed and testified and fought 
and endured pit prison-house and transportation beyond seas a bonny bike there's of them and for your court of session ye may say what ye will of the general assembly said saddletree interrupting him and let them clear them that kens them but as for the lords of session for be that they are my next-door neighbours i would have ye ken for your own regulation that to raise scandal anent them whilk is termed to murmur again them is a crime sui generis sui generis mr deans ken ye what that amounts to i ken little of the language of antichrist said deans and i care less than little what carnal courts may call the speeches of honest men and as to murmur again them it's what all the folk that loses their pleas and nine-tenths of them that win them will be gay sure to be guilty in so i would have ye ken that i hand all your gleg-tongued advocates that sell their knowledge for pieces of silver and your worldly wise judges that will give three days of hearing in presence to a debate about the peeling of an ingan and no one half hour to the gospel testimony as legalists and formalists countenancing by sentences and quirks and cunning terms of law the late begun courses of national defections union toleration patronages and eurastian prelatic oaths as for the soul and body killing court of justiciary the habit of considering his life as dedicated to bear testimony in behalf of what he deemed the suffering and deserted cause of true religion had swept honest david along with it thus far but the mention of the criminal court the recollection of the disastrous condition of his daughter rushed at once on his mind he stopped short in the midst of his triumphant declamation pressed his hands against his forehead and remained silent saddletree was somewhat moved but apparently not so much as to induce him to relinquish the privilege of prosing in his turn afforded him by david's sudden silence no doubt neighbor he said it's a sore thing to have to do with courts of law unless it be to improve one's knowledge and practique by waiting on as a hearer and touching this unhappy affair of effie ye'll have seen the didday doubtless he dragged out of his pocket a bundle of papers and began to turn them over this is no it this is the information of mungo marsport of that ilk against captain lackland for coming on his lands of marsport with hawks hounds lying dogs nets guns crossbows hagbuts of found or other engines more or less for destruction of game sick as red deer fallow deer capper calzies grey fowl moor fowl patricks herons and sick like he the said defender not being one qualified person in terms of the statute 
1621 that is not having one plowgate of land now the defences proponed say that non constat at this present what is a plowgate of land while uncertainty is sufficient to elide the conclusions of the libel but then the answers to the defences they are signed by mr crossmyloof but mr younglad drew them they propone that it signifies nothing in hoc statu what or how muckle a plowgate of land may be in respect the defender has no lands whatsoever less or more so grant a plowgate here saddletree read from the paper in his hand to be less than the nineteenth part of a goose's grass i trow mr crossmyloof put in that i ken his style of a goose's grass what the better will the defender be seeing he has na a divot cast of land in scotland advocatus for lackland duplies that nil interest de possession the pursuer must put his case under the statute now this is worth your notice neighbour and must show formaliter et specialiter as well as generaliter what is the qualification that defender lackland does not possess let him tell me what a plowgate of land is and i'll tell him if i have one or no surely the pursuer is bound to understand his own libel and his own statute that he founds upon tidius pursues mavius for recovery of one black horse lent to mavius surely he shall have judgment but if tidius pursue mavius for one scarlet or crimson horse doubtless he shall be bound to show that there is such one animal in rerum natura no man can be bound to plead to nonsense that is to say to a charge which cannot be explained or understood he's rang there the better the pleadings the fewer understand them and so the reference unto this undefined and unintelligible measure of land is as if a penalty was inflicted by statute for any man who should hunt or hawk or use lying dogs and wearing a sky-blue pair of breeches without having but i am wearying you mr deans we'll pass to your own business though this cue of marsport against lackland has made an unco din in the outer house well here's the didde against poor effie whereas it is humbly meant and shown to us etc they are words of mere style that whereas by the laws of this and every other well-regulated realm the murder of any one more especially of an infant child is a crime of one high nature and severely punishable and whereas without prejudice to the foresaid generality it was by one act made in the second session of the first parliament of our most high and dread sovereigns william and mary especially enacted that one woman who shall have concealed her condition and shall not be able to show 
that she hath called for help at the birth in case that the child shall be found dead or amissing shall be deemed and held guilty of the murder thereof and the said facts of concealment and pregnancy being found proven or confessed shall sustain the pains of law accordingly yet nevertheless you effie or euphemia deans read no farther said deans raising his head up i would rather ye thrust a sword into my heart than read a word farther well neighbour said saddletree i thought it would have comforted ye to ken the best and the worst of it but the question is what's to be done nothing answered deans firmly but to abide the dispensation that the lord sees meet to send us oh if it had been his will to take the grey head to rest before this awful visitation on my house and name but his will be done i can say that yet though i can say little more but neighbour said saddletree ye'll retain advocates for the poor lassie it's a thing mon needs be thought of if there was a man of them answered deans that held fast his integrity but i ken them well they are all carnal crafty and world-hunting self-seekers eurastians and arminians every one of them how tout neighbour ye monnet take the world at its word said saddletree the very devil is no so ill as he's called and i can more than one advocate that may be said to have some integrity as well as their neighbours that is after a sort of fashion of their own it is indeed but a fashion of integrity that ye will find among them replied david deans and a fashion of wisdom and fashion of carnal learning gazing glancing glasses they are fit only to fling the glates in folks eyes with their pocky policy and earthly engine their flights and refinements and periods of eloquence from heathen emperors and popish canons they canna in that daft trash ye were reading to me so muckle as calm men that are so ill-starred as to be among their hands by any name of the dispensation of grace but mon knew baptize them by the names of the accursed titus what was made the instrument of burning the holy temple and other sick like heathens tis titius interrupted saddletree and no titus mr crossmyloof cares as little about titus or the latin as ye do but it's a case of necessity she maun have counsel now i could speak to mr crossmyloof he's will kenned for a round-spun presbyterian and a ruling elder to boot he's a rank eurastian replied deans one of the public and politious worldly wise men that stood up to prevent one general owning of the cause in the day of power what say ye to the old laird of cuffabout said saddletree he whiles thumps the dust out of a case gay and well he the foss loon answered deans 
he was in his bandoliers to have joined the ungracious highlanders in seventeen fifteen and they had ever had the luck to cross the firth well arniston there's a clever child for ye said bartolin triumphantly ay to bring popish medals in till their very library from that schematic woman in the north the duchess of gordon well well but somebody ye maun have what thinks ye of kittlepunt he's an arminian woodsetter he's i doubt a cocaean old Wha? he's anything ye like young nemo he's nothing at all ye're ill to please neighbor said saddletree i have run over the pick of them for you ye mun even choose for yourself but bethink ye that in the multitude of counsellors there's safety what say ye to try young mackenyi he has all his uncle's practiques at the tongue's end what sir would ye speak to me exclaimed the sturdy presbyterian in excessive wrath about a man that has the blood of the saints at his fingers ends did na his im die and gang to his place with the name of the bloody mckenny and winna he be kenned by that name so long as there's a scot's tongue to speak the word if the life of the dear bairn that's under a suffering dispensation and genies and my own and all mankind's depended on my asking sick a slave of satan to speak a word for me or them they should all go down the water together for davy deans it was the exalted tone in which he spoke this last sentence that broke up the conversation between butler and genie and brought them both ben the house to use the language of the country here they found the poor old man half frantic between grief and zealous ire against saddletree's proposed measures his cheek inflamed his hand clenched and his voice raised while the tear in his eye and the occasional quiver of his accents showed that his utmost efforts were inadequate to shaking off the consciousness of his misery butler apprehensive of the consequences of his agitation to an aged and feeble frame ventured to utter to him a recommendation to patience i am patient returned the old man sternly more patient than any one who is alive to the woeful backslidings of a miserable time can be patient and in so much that i need neither sectarians nor sons nor grandsons of sectarians to instruct my grey hairs how to bear my cross but sir continued butler taking no offence at the slur cast on his grandfather's faith we must use human means when you call in a physician you would not i suppose question him on the nature of his religious principles would i know answered david but i would though and if he didna satisfy me that he had a right sense of the right hand and left-hand defections of the day not a gout of his physic 
should gang through my father's son it is a dangerous thing to trust to an illustration butler had done so and miscarried but like a gallant soldier when his musket misses fire he stood his ground and charged with the bayonet this is too rigid an interpretation of your duty sir the sun shines and the rain descends on the just and unjust and they are placed together in life in circumstances which frequently render intercourse between them indispensable perhaps that the evil may have an opportunity of being converted by the good and perhaps also that the righteous might among other trials be subjected to that of occasional converse with the profane you're a silly callant reuben answered deans with your bits of argument can a man touch pitch and not be defiled or what think ye of the brave and worthy champions of the covenant that wouldna so muckle as hear a minister speak be his gifts and graces as they would that hadna witnessed against the enormities of the day no lawyer shall ever speak for me and mine that hasna concurred in the testimony of the scattered yet lovely remnant which abode in the clifts of the rocks so saying and as if fatigued both with the arguments and presence of his guests the old man arose and seeming to bid them adieu with a motion of his head and hand went to shut himself up in his sleeping apartment it's throwing his daughter's life away said saddletree to butler to hear him speak in that daft gate where will he ever get a cameronian advocate or whatever heard of a lawyer's suffering either for one religion or another the lassie's life is clean flung away during the latter part of this debate dumby dykes had arrived at the door dismounted hung the pony's bridle on the usual hook and sunk down on his ordinary settle his eyes with more than their usual animation followed first one speaker then another till he caught the melancholy sense of the whole from saddletree's last words he rose from his seat stumped slowly across the room and coming up close to saddletree's ear said in a tremulous anxious voice will will siller do nothing for them mr saddletree umph said saddletree looking grave siller will certainly do it in the parliament house if anything can do it but where's the siller to come from mr deans ye see will do nothing and though mrs saddletree's their far-away friend and right good well-wisher and is well disposed to assist yet she wouldna like to stand to be bound singly in solidum to such an expensive work an ilka friend would bear a share of the burden something might be done ilka one to be liable for their own input i wouldna like to see the case far through without being pled it wouldna be creditable for all that daft whig body says i'll i will yes 
assuming fortitude i will be answerable said dumby dykes for a score of puns sterling and he was silent staring in astonishment at finding himself capable of such unwonted resolution and excessive generosity god almighty bless ye laird said jeanie in a transport of gratitude ye may call the twenty pounds thready said dumby dykes looking bashfully away from her and towards saddletree that will do bravely said saddletree rubbing his hands and ye sall have all my skill and knowledge to gear the siller gang far i'll tape it out well i ken how to guard the burkies take short fees and be glad of them too it's only garing them tro ye have twa or three cases of importance coming on and they'll work cheap to get custom let me alone for willie wang an advocate it's no sin to get as muckle flew them for our siller as we can after all it's but the wind of their mouth it costs them nothing whereas in my wretched occupation of a saddler horse milliner and harness maker we are out unconscionable sums just for bark and hides and leather can i be of no use said butler my means alas are only worth the black coat i wear but i am young i owe much to the family can i do nothing ye can help to collect evidence sir said saddletree if ye could but find any one to say that she had given the least hint of her condition she would be brought aft with a watt finger mr crossmeloof telled me so the crown says he cannot be craved to prove a positive wasn't a positive or a negative they couldna be called to prove it was the tain or the tither of them i am sure and it makes no muckle matter whilk wherefore says he the libel maun be redargued by the panel proving her defences and it canna be done otherwise but the fact sir argued butler the fact that this poor girl has borne a child surely the crown lawyers must prove that said butler saddletree paused a moment while the visage of dumby dykes which traversed as if it had been placed on a pivot from the one spokesman to the other assumed a more blithe expression yeah 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 yes said saddletree after some grave hesitation unquestionably that is a thing to be proved as the court will more fully declare by an interlocutor of relevancy in common form but i fancy that job's done already for she has confessed her guilt confessed the murder exclaimed jeanie with a scream that made them all start no i didna say that replied bartolin but she confessed bearing the babe and what became of it then said jeanie for not a word could i get from her but bitter sighs and tears she says it was taken away from her by the woman in whose house it was born and who assisted her at the time and who was that woman said butler surely by her means the truth might be discovered who was she i will fly to her directly
i wish said dumby dykes i were as young and as supple as you and had the gift of the gab as well who is she again reiterated butler impatiently who could that woman be ay what kens that but herself said saddletree she deponed farther and declined to answer that interrogatory then to herself will i instantly go said butler farewell jeanie then coming close up to her take no rash steps till you hear from me farewell and he immediately left the cottage i would gang too said the landed proprietor in an anxious jealous and repining tone but my powny winna for the life of me gang any other road than just from dumby dykes to this house end and so straight back again ye'll do better for them said saddletree as they left the house together by sending me the thready pounds thready pounds hesitated dumby dykes who was now out of the reach of those eyes which had inflamed his generosity i only said twenty pounds ay but said saddletree that was under protestation to add and ike and so ye craved leave to amend your libel and made it thready did i i dinna mind that i did answered dumby dykes but whatever i said i'll stand to then bestriding his steed with some difficulty he added dinna ye think poor jeanie's eyes with the tears in them glanced like lamour beads mr saddletree i canna muckle about women's eyes laird replied the insensible bartolin and i care just as little i was i were as well free of their tongues though few wives he added recollecting the necessity of keeping up his character for domestic rule are under better command than mine laird i allow neither perdwellian nor less majesty against my sovereign authority the laird saw nothing so important in this observation as to call for a rejoinder and when they had exchanged a mute salutation they parted in peace upon their different errands End of chapter eleventh